Jack Ebling here with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graph of Okemets. Matt, tell us about this big clothing drive we got going. Yeah, we're excited, Jack. We got a pickup truck parked on the showroom floor. We're hoping to fill the back of it up with coats, hats, scarves, boots, blankets, and even underwear and socks. All the benefits of people at Crystal Ray. You got it. We're excited, and thanks for the support. Stop and see Matt and the gang here at Graph of Okemets and help make mid-Michigan a better place. Rob, let's welcome in Deshaun Tate. Has been with us for a couple of weeks. He is our Lansing-bred, Atlanta-based basketball savant. It's Tate's Take Hoops, where basketball lives. Deshaun, how you doing? Good afternoon, Jack. I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for asking. Uh, could be better had the uh, outcome of the Lions game went a little yeah. bit more in my favor, but nonetheless, it happens. The city is still proud. I'm sure of it. Don't put all the blame on the on the coach and uh, outside of that what we have about another week week and a half and then you know there's a super bowl after that we can get to the real stuff (laughs) yes once that's over uh as fred human would say pitchers and catchers report no that's not what you're talking about (laughs) Uh, no not at all no no let's talk a little bit about michigan state and michigan uh, you're following it from afar, from suburban Atlanta, and uh, something that is near and dear to your heart, watching that game, or shall I say games, the first half, very different from the second. Michigan couldn't miss in the first half. Terrace Reed banking in threes that he would not normally even attempt. And then the second half, the Spartans taking over, swarming on defense, making a lot of things happen and outscoring Michigan by 21 points after the break. So what did you make of those games? What did you learn? Yeah, I um, I can't say I necessarily learn a lot. Um, I, you know, in these instances where we've been talking about Michigan State starting out slow all year long, seems like that's kind of like a never-ending, revolving door to a degree. Uh, mm-hmm. Michigan definitely competed a whole lot more than I anticipated that they would, if I'm just being honest, particularly in the mm-hmm. first half. Um, but, um, you know, I, I really thought in order, without Doug McDaniel, in order to give themselves a chance, they would have to, you know, have a good game from Namari Burnett, who I really like a lot from Michigan. Obviously, he didn't play nearly as well. Mm-hmm. And so it was already going to be tough sledding, kind of an uphill battle for them, regardless of the fact. But, you know, Michigan State's been relying on its guards, and I think most of the uh, Spartan faithful and people around the country are kind of much like me. I feel like sitting back, looking at their imaginary watches, it's February 1st, waiting on Michigan State to kind of turn that corner the way that they typically do. So inconsistent, and we have seen what Michigan State is capable of doing uh, yeah. infrequently. We saw it against Baylor, uh, incredible first half. We saw it against Penn State. We saw it against Maryland uh, in College Park, a near-perfect first half. And then there have been some furious second-half uh, flurries and surges. And I asked Tom Izzo after the game, Deshaun, uh, you're 21 games in now. Uh, when are you going to tie these two together? He said, that's exactly what I just asked the team. When can right. we be more consistent? And if he doesn't know, certainly we don't know. But for Michigan State to really make any noise, they can't play half the time. Yeah, no, definitely can't do that. And, um, you know, it kind of seems like the the uh, elephant in the room phrase, if you will, this year for Michigan State has been consistently inconsistent. 
That's probably yeah. the only little bit of consistency that I've, um, you know, seen from them. Um, and remember, I mean, you know, I mean, they're, they're growing in, in, in a lot of different aspects. And remember, at one point in time at the beginning of the season, what are we talking about, nine, what, two months ago or so, less than two months ago, we were having conversations about, you know, the poor three-point shooting. Obviously, some of that has come along. And then, of course, I got to tip my, cat to, my hat to one of the guys I feel like is the most inconsistent on this team. You start looking at the last five games for somebody like a Malik Hall, it might yeah. not be the 18 and 19 points per game that I think that he should be putting up a little bit more often. But those 12s, 13s, 15s, those add up, and they're a big contributing yeah. piece to this team. And I think that that's why you at least are starting, even if it does result in a loss sometimes, you're starting to see them kind of, at least the feel is like to slowly get very slowly, sloth yeah. yeah. slowly, kind of getting it back together. He played so well defensively. Uh, against Olivia Kamwa. He, he really held him in check. And he's done that a few other times. And I think if you throw out that 0.0 rebound stinker yeah. at Northwestern, he's Northwestern, been yeah. pretty good for the last month. Uh, uh, Jay Nakins, who had been wildly inconsistent, played maybe his best game against Michigan. Not just the 23 points, but the other things he did. And there were a couple of plays in that game that I think Spartan fans will remember a long time. Uh, one of them being Cohen Carr's uh, block of a yeah. dunk attempt. Looked like this was going to be a, a highlight reel slam. Instead, it was one of the greatest blocks I've ever seen. It might be the best block shot in the history of Breslin Center. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, and and luckily that uh, Tayshawn Prince chase down against uh, Reggie Miller wasn't played in the Brussels Center. He'll have a nice little run for his money. Uh, the concerning part, I think, a little bit here uh, also, Jack, is outside of Malik's Hall, 12 points, uh, is the rest of, you know, the front court, um, who totaled for the same amount of points that Malik Hall did. Um, well, you have to know, count, so, uh, Cohen, you have to count uh, Jay Nakins. Really, he's a three. So unless you want to say the front court is just the four and the five, uh, Michigan State's playing with three guards. But if you consider your three part of your front court, then you can throw in another 23 points from Aikens. But if you're just going to look at the power forward in the center, they got zero points out of the center position in the first half. And that's not sure. unusual. No, no, it's definitely not. Um, and in this case, in this situation, I look at, Jaden Aikens a little bit more as a guard, but obviously situational. Yeah. Um, yeah. But even more so, I mean, you know, some of the raving questions obviously has been, is it time to play the freshman, you know, kind of deal and getting some of those guys Malik Carr mm -hmm. uh, a little bit more time. Obviously the game prior to, we didn't see him a whole lot. I think that was the Wisconsin game. Right. Um, not really sure what came of the decision-making there. Uh, but Xavier Booker played and banked in a Xavier three. Booker. Yeah, that he did, that he did. And it's good to see him just on the floor and just learning, you know, giving us opportunity just to see what he can do in positions. Or never know. And tournament time rolls around, you never know. You might need to call a guy. Tom Izzo yeah. obviously does go down very far on his bench usually when the uh, tournament rolls around, and that's where some of the success comes from. So we'll see. Yeah. So there was the block, and people were asking Tom, uh, how did you ever teach Cohen Carr to block like that? Uh, which he had absolutely zero to do with. Uh, sure. That was all a genetic gift. And then there was yeah. a, a play on defense that uh, really made me laugh. Michigan was coming down with a four-on-one. 
and uh, Michigan State had bad floor balance, long tipped-out rebound. And here come four Wolverines against uh, Trey Holloman. And Holloman anticipates the same way he did at the end of the Maryland game that saved that game and somehow came up with the steal. And now he's going back the other way, and there are four Wolverines running toward the wrong basket, and Michigan State scored off a of Michigan four-on-one. Until, you know, Jack, the, the, thing, the thing that I, you know, necessarily pay attention to in that game as well, obviously Michigan State's going to do a good job of getting up and down the floor and then transition amongst other things. For them to be a team who is really limited on the on on the inside. Um it is more mm-hmm. so the fact that you know the, the the differentials between the you know scoring in the paint. I mean Michigan State outscored Michigan by thirty points in the paint, you know, and yeah. that's not even in, that's not even about going to the free throw line. Even the free throw line was some a little bit different. Now you look at obviously the stat sheet you see fifty percent from the line that's definitely yeah. not a Michigan State uh, a typical Michigan State type right, team, but when right, they're shooting the ball 50% right. and 40%, whether it be from the field or from three, I think that that helps them out a whole lot. And uh, right. every game won't be against Michigan or Michigan caliber type teams. Um, right. But a win is a win is a win, and you may not always necessarily love it, but you'll take it, especially yeah. if it's against the Wolverine. Michigan State was an 11.5-point favorite and won by 19. So the yeah. fans <laughs> left happy that they covered. <laughs> yes, they did. Yeah, chicken nuggets. Uh, I heard. I heard they got chicken nuggets. Yes, yes. It was funny because you know it was supposed to be nuggets, and by the end of the game, uh, Terrace Reed had missed so many free throws they wanted the entire chicken. (laughs) And someone said, you know, it was Tyson Walker versus Tyson Chicken. Yeah, uh, wow. For that game, that's that's how bad he was at the foul line. And every time he got fouled, the fans would cheer because they thought, you know, here come here comes more nuggets. But uh, when when you look at what this Michigan State team has done and can do, there are just enough signs that make you think if they could ever put it all together. You talk about points in the paint, and since Michigan State has started to show improvement with a couple of uh, notable exceptions, but. Most of the games now that they have started to play better in, they have had a terrific advantage in points in the paint. And what's so amazing about that, Deshaun, is they're doing it with almost no production offensively from the centers. So how are they getting all these points in the paint, especially Matty Sissoko, but also Cooper? And in the last game, Jackson Kohler, they are becoming designated screeners. And these guys are spending most of their time 15, 20 feet away from the basket, never thinking of shooting the ball. They didn't even touch the ball out there. But they are screeners, and so Michigan State is getting a boatload of points on guard penetration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love every bit of that. I heard you mention Jackson Kohler here just for a quick second. I don't think I've been on the air since the time that I saw him dig block yeah. a shot and then go after lose ball going out of bounds or something like yeah. that got on the ground for it. That is, those are the little things that yeah. you were talking about and the difference makes it. What gets the guys riled up yeah. and kind of sets the example, put the example out there. Now, moving ahead to, you know, as you were saying, great penetration, obviously, by Michigan State guards getting to the paint, throwing up the floaters, the mid-range game coming off of curls, especially for players, um, you know, like Tyson Walker and then, you know, obviously mm-hmm. being able to create his own shot. 
uh, Aikens as well. Really good mid-range. You know, you don't see as much in, you know, as far as the mid-range game in today's game and era and generation of which we watch. And I think that it's still kind of like a lost art a little bit where you can still make a little bit more money getting closer to the hoop, maybe not necessarily be able to drive it all the way inside. Because if you miss, a lot of times, you know, you're getting out-rebounded and they're starting out for a break. But, right, um, right. you know, credit the shooting coaches that are taking this time out with this team. And I think that they realize that's going to be a really big piece to how far Mar- uh, uh, A couple more things with these teams and this game. And then I, I want to move on to Sean. Uh, Michigan State has Maryland coming to East Lansing now. And it was, uh, what, a week, a week and a half ago? Uh, mm-hmm. The Lions were beating Tampa Bay just mm-hmm. after Michigan State held off Maryland. Spartans played incredibly well in the first half and then only scored 17 points in the second half, got out-rebounded by 15 for the game, and still won in College Park where you know, Maryland had been very good. They weren't good on the road, but they were very good at home until that game. Now uh, you get the Terrapins coming to Breslin. They got a couple of bigs there who can really hurt you, and a, a terrific guard in, in Jameer Young. So, uh, what do you think of Michigan State's chances? If you look at the ESPN matchup predictor, they only have the Spartans losing two games the rest of the way. They have them losing yeah. to Illinois and East Lansing, and then of course losing at Purdue. Yeah, and I can I can definitely see some of that a little bit more of a favorable schedule. But Michigan State obviously has its work cut out for them can automatically assume that Maryland is going to come in here and just kind of lay down for them. Teams are playing a little bit better at Breslin than we were used to in past years. And so um, they still got the target on their back because they are Michigan State. But um, I think one of the more, you know, determining factors as far as what this game goes, especially up, you know, up front, um, where you do have Reese, uh, Julian Reese, uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and Scott as well, Dante Scott. You know that, right, those right. those beefy pieces up front. Whether the whether the front line for Michigan State gives you a bunch of offense or not, they've got to you know obviously really have the work cut out for them and do their homework. Mm-hmm. Um, you know from an aggression standpoint, the physicality of the game, uh, and I think that it's gonna you know really just be a, a, a good game in general. No night yeah. off going forward for Sparty. All right, what about Michigan now? Uh, two and eight, the Big Ten. Uh, that's at the bottom. There's no team with a worse Big Ten record. Uh, yeah. Your guy, Juwan Howard, uh, looks oh, befuddled often with this team. Uh, tried to get a couple guys into school, couldn't do that. Uh, Caleb Love at Arizona and Terrence Shannon at Illinois would have looked pretty good at Michigan, but you can't recruit guys that can't get in. And when you look at where Michigan is right now, uh, let's say they win two more games the rest of the way. That's what they're projected mm-hmm. to do. Uh, mm-hmm. Projected to go two and eight in the second half as well. And finish four and 16. This would be back-to-back years where they did not make the NCAA tournament. Uh, what do you think of uh, Juwan Howard's future at Michigan? Obviously not great. Um, I was the person that was saying, you know, when they were talking about him being on the hot seat last year, extend him, give him an extra year. Um, this year, I think, is where you kind of have to be a little bit more realistic about how much better it's getting, right? Is it, is, is it at least going in the right direction? Are they at least contending? Are they at least competing? And the answer there, obviously, is no. Now, if we're talking about, you know, my, my question is, is who are we talking about coming in and taking over the job? 
Are we talking about that guy being Phil Martelli? If so, hey, listen, no, I'm all no, about he's, it. He's you too know, old. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, um, I mean, you know, it just kind of depends on who else is all out there. Um, but I'm not in a dire need or feel like I'm in a rush to necessarily get rid of Juwan Howard today. Uh, but mm-hmm. this thing has to at least start climbing into the right direction and to see how the season ends. Yeah. All right. I want to talk about a game played in Mackey Arena last night. That is Michigan State's House of Horrors. And the Boilers whacked Michigan by 32 there a week ago. But last night, pesky little Northwestern, and yeah. they've had some big wins. They had beaten Purdue back-to-back games, believe it or not, the end of last year and early this year. And uh, people were waiting for Northwestern to come in, and they got a show. And Northwestern took it into overtime, had a chance to win. Boo Booey's floater just rolled off the rim, and uh, Purdue wound up winning uh, in the extra five minutes. But... 46 free throws, yeah, 46 yeah, for the Boilers, yeah. and only eight, eight yeah. for Northwestern. I don't think I've ever seen a team shoot 38 more free throws than its opponent. And Chris Collins uh, was ejected for good reason mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. after the game. Have you ever seen a team shoot 46 free throws and only uh, have the opponent shoot eight? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Um, and actually, I know we were kind of texting about this. I'm kind of attempting to do a little bit of research, and I, I, I haven't seen anything um, like that. It's obviously crazy, and Chris Collins had a really good reason to be as as upset as he was. And like I said, still winning the overtime. You know, by the time overtime hit, obviously he got a little bit out of hand. But you know, that doesn't you know tell the story of what happened during this game and. I mean, take your cap off to Northwestern. They're just one of those teams that, you know, we raved in a lot about Purdue um, all season long and for good reason. But, you know, the styles make the matchups and the styles make fights and everything else kind of terms. And Northwestern is good. You know, you, you think about Northwestern from how far that they came. I mean, they, and they've been fairly consistent with their play over the, over the last handful of years or so. And so, um, you took your cap to them. They've beaten some teams, some really good teams this year. And for what is it, six losses from Nebraska? I'm sorry, Northwestern that we're talking mm-hmm. about now? Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's, I mean, that is considerably, you know, coach of the year within the conference type of conversation. I know everybody's going to talk about Matt Payne or whatever else. That's kind of expected. I think that there's a good conversation we can have about college. Yeah. Uh, interesting to think that Northwestern, uh, scoring uh, as much as it did last night and shooting 55% and having uh, less than uh, 10 turnovers. First time yeah. uh, in 25 years that that's happened and the team has lost the game. You don't score 95 points, shoot 55%, <laughs> not turn the ball over, and still lose. Yeah, I know that's that's uh, that's crazy, Jack. It sounds like a little bit of home cooking to me, if I'm just being completely honest. Um, but I'm sure a lot of other people feel the same way when they woke up this morning, too. They also had 20-plus assists. Do you know how many times – our friend Steve Waite sent me this earlier today. How many times Division One teams who did those, th- those four things 
won games over the past quarter century. They played. This has happened 763 times that a team would score 95 or more, shoot 55% from the field, 20 or more assists, fewer than 10 turnovers. How many times in those 763 games do you think that those teams lost? Probably zero. Correct. Zero. <laughs> those teams were 763 and oh, until yeah, last night. Yeah, yeah I know that's. That's crazy, Jack. And people in Evansville right now aren't very happy and for a good reason. The only thing you can do from here uh, is to pick it back up and, you know, where you left off at and don't let it kind of break your season. Don't let it kind of steal your soul away from you because you still got mm-hmm. some more, you know, in-conference play still left. Pretty good, too. So what does Northwestern have that other teams don't against Purdue? So many of them are beaten uh, in the first 10 minutes. Uh, they're not competitive. It's not like Purdue's winning a, a boatload of close games. And Northwestern gives them fits with guys who, you know, most Big Ten teams would not recruit at the center position. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I do think that there is a level of brand of basketball in which they play where I think they do keep it very simple and very basic. It is very fundamentally sound. Um, and over the years, they've, they've just been really tough. Now, does that say that the other teams in the conference or outside of the conference haven't been? Of course not. Um, you know, but uh, the experience is something else that I think helps a lot, too. There hasn't been a ton of turnover uh, at Northwestern. We have guys transferring in and out, but there has been some players that have been recycled throughout the program. But the base of those guys have pretty much, for the most part, done a really good job at staying there and bringing the other guys who are coming in up to speed and really developing them fast or even getting guys that are transferring coming in, um, you know, to kind of, uh, I guess, just getting them to be equipped and preparing them for the big moment. I mean, Barry has been as big for Northwestern as anybody has, not not the last name not being Bowie, obviously. Right, right. But if they're playing so simple and basic, mm-hmm. how do they score 96 points? Well, obviously you cut it into the scheme and, and the system um, of which they have, and, and obviously sticking to it as well. It's very easy to kind of get out of sorts sometimes, but you know that is where you have to have that disciplined team. And I think because so many of these things of which I'm mentioning is very much of how Purdue plays as well, when you have someone that, you know, plays a very similar style from that aspect uh, and, and has that discipline and has that experience. And uh, I think some of those, the moment isn't too big for Northwestern. I know it sounds kind of cliche to say, but for some of these other teams, they're reading the name on the front of the jersey. They're seeing a guy out there who's as tall and look like he can change the light bulbs on top of the arena. And sometimes there's an intimidation factor before the ball even gets tipped up into the air. That's not Northwestern, and that's how they're giving themselves a chance against Purdue when they play them. Yeah. Uh, Zach Eady attempted more than twice as many free throws as <laughs> Northwestern's entire team. Uh, he shot 17. He only made eight, mm-hmm. so less than 50%. And he's not a terrible free throw shooter. He's, he's not great, but he's a right. little bit like... Uh, Demonis Sabonis, probably 70, 75% guy. But he was 8 for 17, and Northwestern was 6 for 8. So uh, one player 
uh, Purdue. And, and if you go back and watch the game, you're a Northwestern fan, you can see how infuriating it is because he's a uh, uh, head taller than everybody, and he gets the ball, and as he turns in, you know, his arms go out forever, and you have to give him enough room to turn. Yeah. And uh, half the time, the Northwestern guys are just standing there with their arms straight up. I don't know what happened to principle of verticality. It's gone. But, uh, you know, Edie hits you, and the foul's on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. And, you know, there's a lot of times, I think there were some conversations about this last year, I recall, where, you know, there was a lot of talk about, you know, Edie getting fouled, and obviously you got to expect that you're the biggest guy on the floor, and mm-hmm. whistles are going to go your way, especially when you're reigning National Player of the Year, dot, 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 right? Um, the one thing I yeah. will give Edie some credit uh, on is that he does a great job at boxing out his opponent. Um, yeah. Not not being a guy that just relies on his height and his wingspan and the yeah. length and different things like that. He does a very good job at boxing out and going to get those rebounds as well. All right. Uh, Deshaun, next week, I want to talk a little bit about the NBA. I want you to think about this. We have okay. had more 70-plus point games, 60-point <laughs> games. Uh, what is going on with this? And, uh, you know, if, if you don't have a night with a 40-point guy, it seems like you got cheated. Yeah. So give that some thought. See if you can come up with an explanation. Maybe you can talk to some of your colleagues, and maybe mm-hmm. some of the Turner guys have an idea why this is. But uh, it seems like it just hit us all of a sudden. It's not been a trend. Uh, you know, you would get a, a Kobe Bryant. you get somebody who would go off. But this year, I mean, it's everybody. And it's not even great mm-hmm. players doing it sometimes. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Deshaun, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the week, and we'll talk to you next Thursday. We'll do. Thank you, Jack. Hey, Spartan fans. When you want the largest and best selection of Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. Come get your officially licensed gear. Nike, Champion, Columbia, Yeti, New Era hats, tailgating gear, and more. MSU students, faculty, and military receive 10% off in-store every day. And you can earn cash back with their Hall Pass rewards. Alumni Hall, located in Eastwood Town Center near the Apple Store. Or shop anytime at alumnihall.com. For the ultimate Spartan shopping experience, it's Alumni Hall. To everyone who wants a meal made just for you, let our team member Arish share what makes Culver special. We know the best meals are the ones shared with the people you love, like our cooked-to-order butter burgers and our real Wisconsin cheese curds. And there's no better way to treat yourself than our creamy, fresh, frozen custard. I put the same care into your meal that I would for my own family. Come to Culver's for a meal made the Wisconsin way. From From Wisconsin Wisconsin with love, welcome to Delicious. Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours, and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to DeanJobs.com. Jack Eppling here with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graph of Okemos. Matt, tell us about this big clothing drive we got going. Yeah, we're excited, Jack. We got a pickup truck parked on the showroom floor. We're hoping to fill the back of it up with coats, hats, scarves, boots, blankets, and even underwear and socks. 
All the benefits of people at Crystal Ray. You got it. We're excited and thanks for the support. Stop and see Matt and the gang here at Graph of Okemos and help make Mid-Michigan a better place. To everyone who craves a handcrafted treat, let our team member Sephora tell you about a Culver's favorite. We make our thick and creamy fresh frozen custard in small batches all throughout the day. And we mean all day, every day. From our supremely rich shakes and concrete mixers to our freshly scooped dishes and cones, we handcraft every bite to pure perfection. Come to Culver's and get a taste of our fresh frozen custard. From From Wisconsin Wisconsin with with love, welcome to delicious. Hey Spartan fans, when you want the largest and best selection of Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. Come get your officially licensed gear. Nike, Champion, Columbia, Yeti, New Era hats, tailgating gear, and more. MSU students, faculty, and military receive 10% off in-store every day. And you can earn cash back with their Hall Pass rewards. Alumni Hall, located in Eastwood Town Center near the Apple Store. Or shop anytime at alumnihall.com. For the ultimate Spartan shopping experience, it's Alumni Hall.